I'm Amanda Pittman, and this is the Confident Woman Podcast. This podcast was created so I could have candid conversations with my confident committee. We'll talk about what you care about most, walking in your purpose, finding freedom, and becoming the woman God created you to be. So come join the committee, sis. We're going to chop it up, keep it real, and change the world. All right, guys, let's get this conversation started. Today, I'm going to tell you my testimony. This is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down for Jesus. All right, for Jesus. I wasn't always who I am. As of now, I'm a pastor's wife. I have two beautiful babies. I'm a full-time entrepreneur, the owner of Confident Woman Co. And many people assume that I don't have a past. I mean, I've heard people say, like, how is it that you are doing what you do? You must have got started out on the right foot. Uh, You must have just had really great parents. It's because your parents are still married. And I'm just like, you don't know my life. You don't even know. Um, And so my heart behind this is, one, I really want the opportunity to introduce myself, not with superficial titles, but with my story. If, if you follow this movement, if you're a part of the confident committee, then I want you to know me and my story and um, know the woman behind it. And that I just want the opportunity to even share God's glory through all of my mess. So let's jump right in. So I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. No silver spoon in my mouth. Both working parents. And it was in a Christian household. I was raised with Christian values. I was raised to study the word of God, to memorize scriptures. I was raised to even know the gospel. I was privileged from a young age to actually know how to articulate the gospel, not only for my own understanding, but even to spread the gospel. A lot of children don't have that privilege, but the church that I grew up in, was a Bible church in Fort Worth, Texas. It was huge, um, well-resourced. A lot of wealthy people went there. I was a little bit of an outsider, but one thing that they did do well was they preached that gospel and they preached that Bible. Um, and so I knew a lot about the Bible. And honestly, for, for as long as I can remember, I knew the Lord. I didn't know just the Bible, but I knew the God of the Bible. I talk about this in my book that I'm releasing, Change, and I not only knew the Bible, but I knew the God of the Bible, and I had supernatural experiences with God from a young age that confirmed for me, I am saved. I do know the Lord, and that was a great foundation for me growing up. Now, here is where things took a turn. I dated any person who took an interest in me and I I just desperately wanted to be validated and valued that I wanted to get it however I could my heart was never uh, to displease God my heart was never to um, ever even have sex before marriage that was never my heart or my intention in fact I chose to remain sexless um, until marriage. That's something, that was a commitment that I made to myself whenever I was young. And so here I was in high school. 
I don't know who I am. I don't know my value. And building friendships with whoever I could build friendships with, people who um, are doing all kinds of bad things. And I'm dating anyone who takes an interest in me. I got into a relationship um, with someone else, and this person was the first person um, who I began being sexual with. And this was because he was the first guy that I ever dated who was cool. Like, he was in the in crowd. He was somewhat popular. And I didn't think that someone like that would want someone like me. And so I thought to myself, if he's asking for sexual favors, if he's asking for me um, to compromise myself, then maybe this is the only way that I could deserve having someone like this. Not somebody who um, I felt like I could settle with, but someone who is, you know, he's outside of my, my social sphere. He's outside of my social circle. So maybe this is what people like this do. Um, and so what happened during that time is, um, I started to explore sexuality. While I never gave up my virginity with that guy, I did pretty much everything else. And this was my first of everything. My first time really making out my first time, um, going beyond that. My, my first time, um, just doing these things. And the thing is, I didn't want to do it, not because I was an asexual person or I didn't have sexual desire, but more so because my heart behind it wasn't, oh, I am, I'm curious. I want to explore my sexuality. My heart behind it was I'm heartbroken. This guy is outside of my social circle. He's better than these other people I've been hanging around. And even though he's not who I want, if this other guy who rejected me sees me with him, he'll probably think, oh, she's valuable, she's important, I made a mistake. And I realize in retrospect how much my lack of value, my lack of self-worth played into my promiscuity while I was in high school. So that relationship ended. It was so so shallow, so surface level. And I ended up dating another guy and another guy. And um, one relationship that I got into was the most toxic relationship I've ever been in. I was in that relationship for a very long time. And in this relationship, um, I was constantly forced, manipulated, and coerced into doing sexual things that I didn't want to do. And when I say I didn't want to do them, I was very clear about not wanting to do them. However, my heart was to know that I was valued. And one thing that this guy did very well, even though he wasn't what I wanted, he wasn't who I desired. I don't think I ever was with anyone who I wanted or I desired, which is really crazy to think about. Even though he wasn't what I wanted, he gave me what I, I needed, which was affirmation. He did this really well. He would say things like, you're, you're so tantalizing. You're the most beautiful woman ever. I don't know how I could ever find someone like you. And because he would say things like this and he would boost me so much, I was willing to compromise in order to get this from him. 
even though I didn't desire him or want him, my deepest need was being met, which was I wanted to be affirmed and valued that I was beautiful, that I was worthy, that somebody noticed me, that I was special. And he did that. He did that very well. And so because he because he pinpointed my weak point, which was that insecurity, he prayed on it. And so if I didn't want to send him naked pictures, then he would manipulate me and coerce me and um, affirm me in different ways until I did it. Um, because he knew that, Hey, if, if I can give her the affirmation she wants, if I can, if I can show her how important and special she is, then she'll do anything for me. And I even realize now how desperately I needed an identity and how desperately I needed, um, a revelation of who I truly was and the value that I brought to the table. So this guy manipulated me, coerced me, um, and he was the one who um, took my virginity. And so this was a very painful relationship. In fact, um, he got me suspended from school. So I um, got caught (laughs) doing something of the sexual nature with him in school um, after a football game. And... This will, in that instance, he actually pressured and um, coerced me to do this. It was actually something that I denied um, whenever he asked me to do it. And I denied, I denied, and I just did it so that he would stop. A janitor walks by, he catches us, and then they tell our band directors, and we get suspended from school. The whole school finds out about this terrible thing. And during this time, I covered him. I never told anyone that, you know, like, this wasn't something I wanted to do. He pressured me. Um, he kept asking. I, I just was so uncomfortable. I just wanted to go home. I didn't want to do this. Like, I never told anyone that I covered him. Um, I told him it was my fault, um, told everybody it was something I wanted to do, um, like all of the teachers and everything that interviewed us. And I did that because I wanted to cover him and I didn't want to make a case out of it or anything like that. And I realized that I had been protecting him for such a long time, um, even though he never did anything to protect me. And so um, we got suspended from school and he was applauded everywhere um, because he got me to do sexual things. And in high school, that was really cool for high school boys to be able to do that. But for me, I was called the school slut and everybody started talking about me and everybody um, knew this about me. And it was so mortifying. And I never thought that this would happen to me. I thought that I would not be able to get into the college of my dreams. I thought that my future was ruined because of this. And I was embarrassed. I I felt like I couldn't even show my face. And I went into this deep, deep, deep depression. I mean, during this time, I tried to break up with him multiple times. And he would use words to manipulate me. Um, He would threaten to kill himself if I left. And I felt like I was stuck. I felt like I was bound in this terrible relationship where I was constantly asked and manipulated to do sexual things. I was outcasted from the school. And on top of that, during this time in my life, 
since my parents found out, my dad was so mortified and um, we've talked and we've we've really restored our relationship and and, and built it up back up. And it's honestly um, by the grace of God that we have this incredible relationship now. But during this time in my life, my dad stopped talking to me for nine months to almost a year. Um, it was a long time where my dad wouldn't even look at me in the face. And more than anything, I wanted my dad's affirmation. More than anything, I wanted to know that he cared about me and he loved me and that I was more to him than anything that I could do. And I didn't get that affirmation. I, I thought that my dad thought I was dirty. I thought that he didn't want me. I thought he was ashamed of me. And so I spiraled into this deep, deep, deep depression. I would cry myself to sleep at night. I felt numb. Um, I started giving up on my hopes and dreams. And um, I honestly wanted to die. The really sad thing is that I stayed in this toxic relationship. And even though I tried to leave, I stayed. And whenever I stayed, it only got worse from there. Um, So there was a specific time when I remember, um, and I write about this in my book, Change, um, just this time where I was taken advantage of sexually, um, a time where um, I told him no and stop more than once, and he kept going, and it was, um, it took me almost eight years to admit to myself that I had been raped, and because during that time in my life, it was hard for me to believe that I would have such a low value of myself that I would stay with someone who did that to me. And because nobody saw the pain that I was going through because I covered for this person and because I was in isolation and I didn't tell anybody what was happening behind closed doors and what was happening to me. I felt like I had nowhere to turn and so I just kept it all internally and I held all the shame inside of myself. During this time I had a friend and um, he was like a gay best friend and he was the only person who listened to me during this time. I still didn't tell him the extent of what happened um, but he listened to me and um, even the times where I was most depressed um, he was there for me. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. And honestly, he wasn't the best influence. Um, But he was the only thing that really kept me alive. It's crazy how God used someone who didn't even know him or serve him to make such a big impact in my life. And so I would just spend time um, with this this gay best friend um, because he was the only person who seemed to not reject me and who seemed to take all of my dysfunction and um, help me process through it. And so I went into college and whenever I went into college, um, I went to a college called SMU. And the reason why I was able to get into this amazing school, um, it's a sub Ivy league school, um, $70,000 a year. Um, It's just a fantastic school was because I did really well with flute. And so I went to this school and I, my relationship, um, I was still in a relationship with the toxic boyfriend. And um, the summer before I went to, to college, I find out that he cheats on me. 
And for me, that was the most painful thing I had to go through was discovering that he had cheated on me. I found out while I was working at my mom's job that summer and uh, a friend of mine called me and he said, hey, do you know that your boyfriend is cheating on you? And he told me about this girl. I find this girl on social media. She has all these pictures where she's barely wearing any clothes. Um, and I, it was really painful. And I'll, I'll be very unfiltered and candid with you guys. It was very painful because I thought that I was a better catch. I believed that um, I was more beautiful. I had more things going for me. I had a future. And he threw away our relationship for someone who didn't seem like they were doing anything with their life, who I felt like wasn't up to par with me. And having had years of when he's saying, you're the most beautiful woman, how could I ever be with someone like you? Um, you are so amazing. And all of this stuff he would say about me. And then come to find out he's doing stuff with some other chick who I don't think is is as amazing as me and so the thoughts that went through my mind were how could you how could you I've given everything to you all I've ever done is protect you all I've ever done is cover you I've compromised for you I've allowed you to manipulate me I've stayed with you when you've abused me and I let you degrade me also that you could tell me that I'm the best woman you could possibly get and the most beautiful person you could ever be with. And then you turn around and you cheat on me with someone like that. And now I'm not saying that this was a Christian thought. I'm not saying that at all. I, I mean, I was turning my back on Jesus at this point. So these were my fleshly, unfiltered thoughts. And so during this time, like I... I was, I went bad crazy, like crazy, crazy. But the craziest thing about it was that I didn't leave this guy. I thought that if I could just stay with him, I would make him pay for all of the hurt that he had done for me. And so what I did is I became extremely verbally abusive towards him. I started calling him names. I started um, degrading who he was. And so I started to tell him that I hated him and that he deserved to make it up to me. And so I would verbally abuse him at least once a week, um, threaten to break up with him at least once a week. And we had this toxic, toxic relationship where I would give something to him so he can give me the affirmation I need. And then I would degrade him and, um, call him names and and then I was still so hurt, even though I stayed with him and I was in college, I was still so hurt that what I did was I partied a lot and I would go out and, and drinking and stuff like that. I ended up um, sleeping with another guy while I was with him. And honestly, um, in my fleshly mind, it was the best feeling in the world to, to betray someone who betrayed me. And I felt like I had gotten back at him. And after I did that, I felt like my love for him was completely depleted and I couldn't take it anymore. So during this point in my life was when I was hitting rock bottom. I thought to myself, God doesn't love me. In fact, I'm not sure if he's there. 
how could God allow me to go through so much sexual pain, um, so much anger? How could a loving God see me walking around campus trying to cover my face as I scream at my boyfriend and want to die um, as I'm staying up late at night because I, I, I can't can't fathom the pain that I'm experiencing every single day when I feel like I can't tell anyone and my roommate judges me or my roommate doesn't even like me and here I am you know staying up and trying to hide this other life that I have and nobody knows the pain I'm experiencing and Everybody is working on getting their goals in college and and meanwhile I can hardly focus on my studies because my private personal life is so toxic and all that surrounds me is darkness and anger and fear and panic and shame and guilt and worthlessness. How could a loving God let me go through this? How could a loving God let me experience this kind of pain? And so I decided that I would turn my back on God. I started looking for other religions. I looked into Buddhism. I um, ended up going to this Hindu temple because my sweet mate was Hindu. And I didn't care that I was in that environment, honestly. I wanted to do something to spite God. I wanted to um, make God angry almost. I wanted God to see how much I was hurting. And um, I would go to debates between Christians and atheists. And sometimes it really seemed like the atheists were were winning. I joined the email list for the Secular Humanist Club because I considered myself a secular humanist because there's no way that, you know, this world had anything to offer me other than what was in front of me. There's no God. God didn't have anything to do with this. And if so, then God is not a person that I want to serve. During this point in my life, I remember it was a summer and I was partying um, during that summer after my freshman year. And God met me with a dream. And in this dream, he took me to heaven. And I met Jesus. And he told me that all of my sins were wiped away and he couldn't remember my sins. And I saw heaven and it was gorgeous. If you want to watch my full testimony on that, on um, my experience in heaven, I have it on my YouTube channel. Make sure you check that out. And even though I had met Jesus face to face, I had experienced grace that I had, um, I couldn't even fathom. Whenever I woke up from that dream, I knew that I had experienced something I had never experienced before. And yet I wasn't ready to surrender my life to God. I thought, I've been stuck in this terrible relationship for such a long time. My dad doesn't love me. Um, I don't have any friends, true friends on campus. Uh, My boyfriend is terrible and I want him to pay for everything that I've done. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I don't want to serve God. So I still didn't come around. But that dream kept playing in the back of my mind. I met Jesus, I met Jesus, but I still didn't turn around. And then one day, 
I'm with a friend, uh, um, what, who became my best friend in college. All my best friends were guys. I didn't think I could build any friendships with women. My best friend at the time, I told him that every time I'm around Christians or I go to some on-campus ministry, it seems like these Christians just want me to change my behavior for them. They want me to just be better. And they don't know what I've been through. They don't know who I am. They don't know my story. And they would always invite me to church. And I was complaining to them. I said, I don't want to go to church. Like, why? I don't want to go to church, put on some mask, pretend like I'm someone I'm not. I don't want to go to church. And he said, then don't. And I was honestly shocked because he was a believer, even though he was partying right there with me. But he said that he was a believer and he knew God. And so I didn't expect him to say, don't go to church. He said, then don't. And I said, why is that? And he said, all you need to do is pray and read the Bible. It's not about them. It's about you and God. So if you really want to know God, just pray and read the Bible. So, because I was on this journey to find the truth, even if that truth was Buddha, even if that truth was Allah, even if that truth was there is no God, I just wanted to find the truth. So I started to pray, and my prayers sounded different than they ever had before. They weren't, dear Jesus, they were, whoever's up there, if you're up there, show yourself to me. And I started to read the Bible. I read it for all that it was. I didn't read it through the filter of what I grew up to know God as or who I grew up to know Jesus as. I just read it as an outsider. I was amazed by the amount of wisdom and understanding God opened my eyes to. And it was this life-giving book. And I began to know God for myself. I was blown away. I started praying and reading the Bible and God began to really soften my heart after such a hard time of my heart being hardened toward him. I still didn't give my life to him because I didn't want to commit to something that I wasn't really about. But I continued praying and reading the Bible and my heart got softer and softer and softer. Now I was still partying and drinking and um, one time... This college best friend and I, after a party, I felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I didn't have true friends. And I remember I was drunk, crying. I slid outside his wall, um, outside of his dorm room. And he looked at me. I said, why does it feel as if I don't fit in? Why does it feel as if I don't belong? And he turned. He looked back at me and his dreads were swinging. Whenever I saw his face, he didn't, he didn't look like himself and he didn't sound like himself either. He said, do you, you know why I think you don't fit in? I said, why? He said, because I believe God has a plan for your life. And when he said that, I knew that I heard the voice of God. It didn't sound like him. It didn't look like him. He was drunk. He couldn't think that way while he was drunk. I was drunk too. And during that moment, my whole world turned upside down. I had already been praying and reading the Bible and trying to explore God. And for the first time, I hear from what seems to be God himself saying, 
God has a plan for your life. After that, I really started taking, praying, and reading the Bible more seriously. I had a friend named Christina during this time, my only true female friend. And I started doing Bible studies with her almost every day. And I would go to her dorm room and we would just read the Bible together. And we would talk about what it means. And this changed my life. It changed my life. The thing is, I was going to counseling during this time on campus, on campus counseling. And that counseling didn't really do anything for me. But what did do something for me were, were these Bible studies with Christina. We read through the book of Proverbs. And I opened my eyes God opened my eyes to truth and I just started spitting revelation and Christine would say things like, how is it that you know this? How is it that you have this level of understanding? And all I could attribute it to was God was good and the training that my parents had brought me up in in the church was finally paying off. I got plugged into a campus ministry called Pulse. And I started going to Pulse, and we would do worship um, on Tuesday nights. I think it might have been Tuesday or Wednesdays. We would do worship in the student center. And I ended up going to one of the events that they had called Campus Harvest. And it was at Campus Harvest that I committed that I would recommit my life to Christ. I was still with that boyfriend Um, But I was so over him that he didn't mean anything to me. And honestly, he was an afterthought. I was thinking about my exit strategy. So I went to Campus Harvest and I got baptized. And I had been baptized at a young age, but this time it meant something different to me. It meant a new commitment to God. It meant I'm going to give myself to God and I really mean it this time. After what I've been through, this is real. So I came up out of that water and I felt like a brand new person and I couldn't fathom the level of peace that I felt when I recommitted my life to Jesus. I remember telling um, one of the leaders, um, the leaders of that uh, college ministry, I think that they were in like their mid-20s. I remember telling her and another Christian who was there, I said, you know, I keep seeing the number 517 everywhere, 517, everywhere we go. And um, she said, um, one, one girl said, she said, well, maybe it's the scripture, 2 Corinthians 517. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And in an instant, I knew that that was the scripture of my life. That was the scripture that God had given me. That was my favorite scripture. That was why I was seeing 517 everywhere. Whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. I was a new creature. I wasn't my past. I wasn't what I went through. God was making me new and I could start with a fresh, clean slate. So I started, I was praying and I was reading the Bible. I was going to this on-campus ministry. I had been baptized and I stopped cussing and I stopped verbally abusing my boyfriend and I started planning my exit strategy. So I knew that I needed to leave this guy and I knew that I was ready to just start this new life in Christ and pursue God and be the woman who I wanted to be ever since I was a young girl and I was raised in the faith and I was raised to know Jesus. And so during that fall, 
I built up the courage to break up with him. And every other time that I had tried to break up with him and that I was saying I was leaving the relationship, it would always be talk, but no execution because there was a lot of manipulation involved. But this last time that I said it, he knew that I meant it. So what I did, I said, we are going to be together until New Year's. You and I are going to end our relationship on New Year's Day. And so what we did was we spent time talking and those conversations were dull. They were lifeless. Nothing to offer in those conversations because we knew that this relationship was coming to an end. We spent New Year's together at a um, some type of New Year's thing in Dallas. And on our train back, it was past midnight and he didn't talk to me on the train ride all the way back to Fort Worth. It was silent. And I said, what's going on? He said, it's over. And I didn't try and make it better. I didn't try to make it anything it wasn't because I knew it was over and that my life was about to change. When I woke up, I tell you, when I woke up on January 1st, <laughs> 2013, I was a brand new woman. I was finally free from this relationship. I was no longer bound to this person. And instead, I was choosing to be a new creation. And I finally left the last part of my past behind me. After this, after I left that relationship, was when I started talking to my now husband, Michael Pittman. And whenever I met him, he was so different. He was someone who was confident in himself. He had everything going for me. He was the kind of guy that I wanted. Not some guy that I settled for. Not some guy that I thought would just give me affirmation. But he was actually somebody who I wanted. And if you remember what I said, I had never been with someone who I wanted. I had only been with people who wanted me. So not only is this guy pursuing me and I wanted him... But he was a Christian. He came from a good family. He didn't want to have sex with me before marriage. He wanted to lead me. He, we, we ended up filming YouTube videos together about being pure before marriage. And I didn't think this was possible after my dirty, dirty past. That this Christian godly guy would want me and that he would see me valuable, so valuable that he didn't want to have sex with me before marriage. We started filming these videos and he encouraged me to rebuild my relationship with my dad. And so I introduced him to my dad and he was the first guy that my dad ever approved of. My dad loved him and I knew that's when I was in. That's when I knew that this was husband. We were pursuing God together and my relationship with God was just changing. I started fasting. I started reading The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. I started reading the Bible for real. I started even posting about God online and my life had radically changed. I didn't look like the person I was before. People would tell me, you look so joyful. You don't look like the same person you were. You used to look depressed. You used to be so standoffish and you used to carry this cloud around you. Now you're so joyful. You look like light. You look like sunshine. What happened? And all I could tell people is it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And I had this healthy community, this, um, this guy who, 
who loved me for who I was and didn't try to compromise or manipulate me. And then I, it was then when I realized, wow, healthy relationships are possible. It was then when I found a church home, Shoreline, Dallas, now Shoreline City, um, with an incredible pastor. And I was finally connected to healthy community in this church and I had a healthy boyfriend and I had a healthy relationship with Jesus. I was praying and reading the Bible and fasting and sharing the gospel with people around me and I felt like me. Not this version of me who was poked and prodded to be something for someone else, to be fetishized for someone else, but me, the woman I wanted to be who was healthy who had a good head on her shoulders. I didn't even recognize the person I was anymore. And I just was saying yes to the call of God in my life. And so after this um, was when I just really found my calling. My husband and I, we started posting on YouTube. Um, we were posting a lot on Instagram. We got connected with um, Pastor Heather and Cornelius um, in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, this was when God told me that we would end up ending, we would end up planting a gathering oasis church. And so my husband and I, we got engaged, we got married, um, young and in college, and we just started pursuing everything that God wanted us to do. And it it just began my life of radical obedience because what I realized was that my life was so much better when I said yes to God than when I tried to deny him and try and find my own way. So what I realized was, you know what? If I just submit myself to God's plan, if I do what it is that God is telling me to do, it'll bring life, it'll bring abundance, it'll bring health, it'll bring restoration, it'll bring forth healing, it'll bring forth purpose. Because I had never felt more myself than I had felt now while I was in the will of God. So... That's what we did. We, we fearlessly pursued God's uh, plan for our lives. And that's how we ended up moving to Atlanta, planting the go downtown, serving under pastors Heather and Cornelius, um, how I'm able to run Confident Woman Co., caring about that woman I used to be. Um, and my husband um, runs his own financial school. He's a pastor. And it's crazy to be in full-time entrepreneurship and full-time ministry and see that God has made beauty out of my ashes and I'm able to share my testimony. I'm able to share my experience in heaven. I'm able to tell people how to date God's way instead of um, settling for toxic relationships. I'm able to have children and raise them up in the knowledge of the truth so that when they're older, they will not depart from it. I'm able to make a difference in the lives of women and mentor them and get them out of their toxic situation so that they can find life abundant like I'm experiencing now. It's a privilege and an honor. And to see where God has brought me from, there's no denying God's hand on my life. And there's no denying that Jesus is Lord. Because when I gave him my all, my life changed. My heart changed. I had peace, joy, favor, abundance, purpose, things that everything in the world, alcohol, weed. Oh yeah, I smoked weed and didn't tell you guys that. Alcohol, weed, sex, vengeance, none of that could give me, but only the peace and the love of Jesus Christ could give me. So guys, in a nutshell, that is my testimony. If you thought I was squeaky clean, I hope you realize that I'm just a sinner who has a savior. 
and the abundant life that I have now, I make no apologies for because it's by the grace of God I'm able to walk in the fullness and the abundance of what he has called me to walk in. And so I thank God for not things, but him. I thank God for him, that he gave me him, the opportunity to have a relationship with him, the opportunity to hear his voice, the opportunity to walk in the path that he set out for me, the opportunity to come back from who I used to be and become the woman he's called me to be. I hope this testimony encourages you and I hope that you walk in the fullness of what God has for you and you lay aside every burden and dead weight that holds you back so that you can pursue the call of God on your life and become the woman that he has called you to be. All right, guys, that's the end of today's conversation. If you're a part of the Confident Committee, then do your part. Leave a review, a five-star podcast rating, and spread the word. If you haven't already, join our Facebook community and follow us on Instagram at Confident Woman Co. As always, stay confident.